Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky of Break of Day Capital. I talk to leading experts to discuss a wide range of subjects to educate investors on best-in-class practices to build legacy wealth and positively impact communities. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investor Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Daniel Pewter. Daniel is an undefeated mixed martial artist, a WWE's 1 million tough enough champion, a world weightlifting champion, and a social entrepreneur that has impacted over 250,000 youth. Wow. So totally different podcast than we usually have, but uh, I think it's going to be incredibly valuable to you. Thanks for joining us, Daniel. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation. Yeah, thanks. I know you were living in Southern California at one point. I grew up in Cupertino, California. I lived in LA for eight years. And then I've lived in Arizona, in Texas, Kentucky, a little bit in Connecticut. And now I'm based in South Florida. I also have a place because I do some law enforcement-based stuff in Arkansas. So uh, it's amazing. I get to see our amazing country. I get to travel around. I get to do leadership training. And I also own a partner in a private school system with school choice funding by states. So it's a lot of fun. Well, you've accomplished so much already. And I recently heard you at a real estate conference and you had this tremendous amount of passion and drive to make a a much more significant impact on the world. And I'm curious, where do you draw your inspiration from? So, you know, I've been really blessed with a lot of things that, um, you know, like two loving parents, like, (laughs) foundationally blessed in life, right? Not everybody that I know has that. And so I've, and I've had really, even though I've gone after it, I've had a lot of really good mentors that have opened up doors and supported what I've done. And, you know, some of them that haven't, obviously, you know, there's a numbers game on that. And I find that our world is definitely today. I mean, this last through COVID and everything that's been going on is, is even more challenging, definitely mental health with kids and our future. But if something doesn't switch, we're in some 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 deep doo-doo, even more than we are. Like, for instance, we have 40 million baby boomers that are retiring from 2020 to 2030. So people don't understand yet that in about eight more years, this baby boomer thing will be done. Then we have pensions. Then we have, you know, expenses. And they were the largest group of born people in our country. And so we're in... People don't understand the cost that it's going to put on the country. Plus, a lot of these people, they already own homes. Unlike our upcoming generation, they can't even afford to, to rent a home sometimes. Um, so we're looking at some major challenges coming up. The educational system is definitely challenged. We have some challenges with prison and foster care and homeless. Homeless is just on the rise. I mean, you saw it when you were in LA, probably. We see it here a little bit in Florida, but it's, it's not even close. And it's, it's just interesting to see where, where we're going with all this. 
I believe a lot of it starts as a young human. A lot of people like to work with older people, homeless, you know, people that are over, you know, out of school. But I find I want to solve a problem in my generation. I want to put some pieces to the puzzle because if we equip the next generation with a few things, like it's my top three, number one, learn how to learn. Um, I believe that we have all the resources in the world in America, but people just don't know how to actually absorb it, learn from it, grow from it and use that resourcefulness. Second one is networking. I mean, at the age of whatever, 13, 14, 15, 16, you can get on LinkedIn. You can start connecting with people. You can start your own company when you're 10 years old these days, you know, internet-based company. I mean, you can do whatever you want. So a lot of kids talk about they want to live and make money, but you don't really have to go to school anymore to make money. And third one is learning about self. You know, a human gets to grow. And most of the time, humans don't know about themselves because they haven't, they've been told to sit down, be quiet, read a book and take a test, not to improve their actual, you know, human mindset or beliefs. Uh, understand their actual real and deep emotions that come from beliefs. So there's different ways to do it. Some people want to spin the emotional intelligence piece. I like to get down to the framework of like, what are we all about on this earth? Why are we doing it? And that's what inspires me. See these kids like grow up and what we can do with the next generation and how we can add value to our communities. I love it. I love it. Was there a moment in your life that it just, there was something that, you know, brought you, into that kind of mindset or was it just over time? Because obviously you were a very accomplished, you know, wrestler and fighter. And so when did that light bulb go off for you? So when I was a kid, I was labeled learning disabled. So I was put in the special ed classes and they said, Oh, you have a couple extra hours for this test. <laughs> the challenge is that's, that's like non real world, right? Like when is any one of your clients in real estate going to say, Oh, by the way, you have an extra, like, two years to sell my house, right? Or to build a home or a complex, or it doesn't work like that. And so I find that if you set a system up to not get people to their end goals, then you're going to get a loss. And looking at how we're setting up the next system, how we're framing it out, what we're creating you know, I look at like, how do we win as a humanity, not just how do we win, you know, individually, like rich kids can go to the best schools, kids that are not rich, go to wherever they have to go. So I started looking at this when I was a pro athlete. I mean, I knew it when I was growing up, but I, I was raised in Cupertino, California. So at that point, I wouldn't say it's like upper class, but it's like middle class. I'd say upper class was like Beverly Hills. Like it's definitely there now. But 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it wasn't, you know, I was born 41 years ago. It wasn't like super upper class. New York, down, you know, the, the other places were a lot wealthier. My parents' house was like 80,000 bucks, right? So I look at this and I'm like, when I was a pro athlete and I got on TMZ and some other media and I said, how do I, you know, for anybody that's been bullied out there, I'll come to your school. And I started looking at kids that were bullied and teased and picked on and and some of them were beat up and thrown in trash cans and you name it. I've, I've seen and heard pretty much everything you can imagine. And it inspired me with looking at like, if nobody's doing anything about this, if the systems aren't solving this, if some systems want this to make money, then what do we get to do? You know, and somebody gets to step up for some of these kids or you and I, are just going to spend more money. Our kids are just going to spend more money and their kids are going to be flat broke. 
because more, more, more people are going to be broke or homeless or drug addicted than we've ever had before. And it's going to cost us too much and we, we can't do it anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you're really focused on making a huge difference. What were some of the, the best advice you ever got to, in this field or in any other field? Advice. <laughs> advice. God gave you two ears and one mouth. So listen, that's good. Get up. Once the crap got knocked out of me by Frank Shamrock or one of the other guys. Look at this as a long-term game. A lot of people try to rush things. I think that everybody in their teen years wants to be a millionaire now. And everybody I've asked, would you rather have a million dollars or be a millionaire and have stage four cancer? I think there's probably been one person out of the last 10, 12 years that I've asked that, that are like, yeah, I'd take that. So it's crazy that people today value health, value the ability to grow and earn something, value friendships and relationships a lot more than money at the end of it. But when I ask questions like, would you rather, who wants a great relationship? Who wants to raise money? Who wants to make money? Who wants to, you know, who wants a good career? It's interesting. Relationships are last in the overall questioning. But when I get down to it and I put one over the other, people want to do it because they want to have friendships and relationships in life. So it's pretty unique to be able to start seeing what people really want, but most people don't think about it because the social media just, I think, negatively peer influences people so far that, you know, you have um, the average national average, I think was last study I saw, like was like eight years ago. And and, and I didn't even read the study is it it more of a highlight of it, but they said that the national average is three minutes of undivided attention with a parent and a kid per day. So three minutes compared to like eight hours of school and another eight hours on social, you know, you got a lot of out peer influencing in different ways than what a parent will give. And at the end of the day, now we have both parents working. My mother stayed at home with us. My father worked and ran a small company. So it's interesting, I believe, on what people, you know, how people choose to have kids. Maybe they don't choose to have kids, but they definitely choose to have kids, but they definitely choose to have sex before that, right? But they also, uh, I think they're challenged within their current vision and their current vision is short-sighted versus long-sighted. And I believe that's career-based too, not just with kids. So it was great. We had our son when two and a half years ago. So when I was 39. So it's, it's interesting to be able to see, you know, how I have matured in my thirties and how I built a business and you know, now there's a lot of flexibility to make sure that I can spend really quality time with my family. Yeah. I went to business school many years ago and I remember my entrepreneur teacher was like, do something that you'd love to do and that you're passionate about. And I'm like, I just want to make money, you know, but soon enough, I learned that if you're just doing something for money, you're not going to be happy and it's not going to be sustainable. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. And so there's plenty of time to make money, but you know, not you know, people don't spend the time to build real authentic relationships. And at the end of the day, when when people are on their deathbed, they talk about the experiences that they didn't have or did have and the time they put into relationships. And that that's what really matters, not a fancy car or you know, all the toys in the world. 
that's not going to keep, it's going to fill up a room, but it's not going to make you happy, you know? Yep. Yeah. I think that, so my grandparent, my grandfather went through the great depression. Both of them guessing went through the great depression. I know one of them for sure did. And, you know, super challenging just to get food. And so I look at how did they go from working super hard, building something up or seeing like the worst of the worst then working super hard, building something. And then I believe, you know, giving like less time because they were so focused on work and stuff so that they wouldn't go through that. And then my parent, my father's generation, he kind of inherited that mindset, but my parents gave me a lot of love and time, but it's just interesting what they learned from their generation. And I think my generation starting to take a step back and be like, hold on, we can make a ton of money, but what is it all about at the end of the day? You know, quality life experiences. I think people are spending my generation, a little bit younger. I think people are spending less money on houses and, you know, they're doing this whole RV, this camping RV deal now and these vans and buses. And they're like, I just want to be free. I, I want low cost of overhead. I want to work. I want to have experiences. So it's interesting to be able to see that the last, you know, three generations on what's happening and, and where people are looking to design their life. Yeah. Well, working with youth is something near and dear to my heart. My previous business, we worked with over 9,000 at-risk youth in, in Southern California. That company's still going strong. I know you've launched eight private academies and you're looking at growth. And I, I guess you're working with the high-intensity drug trafficking areas to, to have a presence in all 50 states in the next six years. Talk about some of the work that you're doing. Yeah, we do leadership development with emotional belief intelligence. And I have five published studies through the College of William & Mary and another four in the hopper. So we've done, it's impact investment. It's impact, not, it's, my schools are impact investment, but it's impact within the community. It's interesting on prevention versus intervention. And people don't get, law enforcement doesn't get judged a lot of time on prevention because it's very hard to monitor Plus, if you stop seizing X amount of drugs or doing X amount of arrests on paper, then you look like you're soft on crime. So police chief or sheriff will say, hey, last year we got 1,000 arrests and this year we got 700. People are like, hold on, you're not doing your job. So, or we got, you know, 100 pounds of, you know, meth, you know, last year, this year we got three pounds. You're not doing your job. Well, no, we did our job great. We did our job in prevention. We did our job with getting rid of the actual base of people that are using the drugs. So it takes some people to stand up that are in law enforcement to say, no, we're doing our job at the same level, but we're also doing impact and investing within the community to be able to make sure that these things don't come in. So the Office on National Drug Control Policy, which is ONDCP out of the White House, has uh, we've been working with them and then the Haida group, high intensity dra drug trafficking areas to impact communities around the country. And we go in and we do leadership training for them. We've had, I think it was four feds, the FBI flew down from North or South Carolina on the last one here in Miami. But we've had from feds to state, county, local law enforcement come into the trainings and it's a two day leadership training, which is great. Shows perspective, it's very uh, experiential, called tactical leadership, and it's around getting people to 
see a different perspective and understand how to design and or redesign a belief if it doesn't add value to their vision or purpose. Wow, that's uh, very, very impressive. You've had a, quite a, a career arc, you know? <laughs> it's it done a lot of stuff. I get to do a lot of stuff. I'm learning too. Like we're building relationships around the country. And that's a huge thing when we're rolling out schools and impacting communities to understand. I find out I won't go into a community. They don't want our school. People are like, nope, don't need it. Don't want it. I mean, I'm working with a police chief right now. He's like, please bring a school to our area. And at the end of the day, that's perfect. Uh, I'm work. I just met with another mayor. She's like, nope, don't want it. I believe in public school. But guess what? Our public schools are failing. Right. And so the state took it over and she wants to take it back. There's a whole war there. And I'm like, well, you want to get around, you know, the state taking your schools. We just put a private school and we put the right team in place to be able to make sure, you know, and there's private schools don't fail. You know, there's less restrictions, less standardized tests, less issues, you know, less oversight, less state oversight. So it's, it's a huge win-win to be able to, you know, for me, I'm thinking to myself, hey, you want a result, get a result as fast as possible. And she's like, nope, not right now. Okay. You know, it's interesting to look at like elected officials too. The best part is they know their community. They know what they stand for. They know what they got elected for. Uh, that's probably what the people want. And for me, I look at it as like, that's the bureaucracy and the politics that slows down actual economic development because I could have a private school set up in that city in August and we could have two or 300 kids in it and we could be doing track-based trade training to be able to make sure they do dual enrollment, make sure they get into college or trade, make sure they graduate with a certificate, make sure they get into an internship or job before and, and she could fast track it. But instead, it might take two or three years to, to redo her school. And then you just wasted two or three years of graduates that, that are just sitting around twiddling their thumbs in the same place. So it's, it's interesting that I like the private industry and I like what we can do and what we can get done, which is a lot faster. What would you like to accomplish in the next 10 years? Do you have like a big, hairy, audacious goal? Yeah, I think we'll do over a thousand schools. Nonprofit's going to be doing a lot more in communities uh, with the leadership training side of it. Uh, we'll go international. We're going to start building and buying land and building. And then we, we're talking to a few mayors that want to give us land and city managers who say, hey, this neighborhood right here, build, go. And the land's worth, you know, I mean, it's a beat up house. So I got to get rid of the house first, right? And then I got to develop it. Depends on zoning laws and all that. So uh, we have a security company called White Light. We just got approved um, two weeks ago to start doing outside of our company uh, security. We have armed guards in all of our schools and and then we're launching health clinics. So in our schools, it'll be done in the next like nine months. So, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we serve our kids' mental and physical health and support their parents and really get an alignment. Because a lot of parents that are lower income or that are undocumented or whatever's going on, you know, a lot of people say, hey, the, you know, like, for instance, undocumented kids, send them back. Well, guess what? They're, they're here. They're not going anywhere. So either we get to serve them, get them to be, a, to be a taxpayer and to be a part of our society, or we don't. And it's going to be a tax problem long term. Uh, and so we're looking at a lot of this stuff and we, I think we can solve some problems. I, I think it'll help the next generation of homeless and a couple different markets, you know, cut down on some of the major issues without spending all the money. But then you look at all these homeless organizations, they don't necessarily build multi-million dollar government contracts in to get rid of them. I mean, look at Skid Row over the last 15 years, it's gotten worse. All those organizations are just costing more money. 
So, you know, I've spent some time with some people. It's pretty bad to see where we're going and what we're doing. And a lot of people don't understand what's really happening until they see it blasting the news in five different perspectives and five different, you know, angles. And then it's too late because now we actually have a real issue. So, you know, real estate is a team sport. I think, you know, any business is, is a team sport and, and you've got so many different things going on and doing so much great work. What's been the secret to your success on all these, you know, kind of getting organizations together and pooling resources? The right team. I think two pieces, understand the future of the market, not looking at what is, what was really looking at where we go in with it and what are the trends, micro and macroeconomics, understanding definitely like the BRICS nations and where's the dollar and where's other currencies, like looking at what's going to happen next because most people are too worried about what is today and what was yesterday. I think also, you know, with the right team, finding the right people for the right position. I think that's massive for us. We've moved a couple people because they're, we find better pace places. And then we've, you know, we let people go if they, you know, choose not to want to perform. People want to perform, we build them. It's great to be able to build people that really want it. I think the team is the key to anything that's successful. I got it two years, about a year and a half ago, a year ago, actually now, I got my first assistant, maybe a little bit longer. And I can now do 10 times more because I, my schedule is done. She called me 10 minutes before this and she's like, Hey, jump on, you know, just as a reminder. So, cause I run hard and I mean, same with you. I mean, it's like events, events, events. And when you had an event for like three days and you're talking to a million people, then you have a stack of cards and you know, I got a huge stack of cards that I get to go through today and it's like 10, 15 cards. And that's just from the last few days. So it's, it's interesting to be able to put that together and see, you know, how to build something. And the second piece is, is everything has to be, the nonprofit world is very challenging. So I don't go after grants anymore. We go after contract-based uh, outcomes. So it could be labeled as a grant, but if we do get those, they're bigger, but we like contracts. So what we're doing with school choice and how we're impacting kids and graduating about 97% of them. I like that kind of stuff because I, I know for a fact what I can do, what our teams can do. And you can't build on a you know, if the contract lasts, if the grant lasts two years and nonprofit. So it's, it's very challenging to be able to see that. So it's sustainable funding long-term into line items for the organizations. So. Daniel, I appreciate you coming on. Certainly incredibly inspirational. You've achieved so much sharing some of your secrets and your whys, really informative. Can you tell the listeners a little bit where they could find out about your companies and if they want to get involved? Yeah. So if you want to go to danielpewter.com, you can check me out there. We also have mylifebypower.org. You can Google MLMPI Prep Academy. There's info on mylifebypower.org also. And we, uh, you know, if you ever want to add value, you want to come in, you want to speak to some of our kids, you want to donate something to our kids, uh, you want to invest in one of the schools, you're a real estate guy and you have some land and you want to develop, we're definitely open. We're looking for really good people in different cities across the country to be able to work with and partner with. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah, thank you. And listeners, if you want to get involved, we'll have the uh, the links in the show notes. Love to see you make an impact on the world and help Daniel and, and so many other kids out there. So thank you so much. And I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Investor Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and leave a review. 
as it will help us reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website at breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week.